This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. No, I don't. Hey, Stu. Hi. Glenn. How are you? How are you? Oh, she's... He's whining because I don't like it that we don't have a commercial for the podcast today. I do. The audience loves that. I know, but I, you know, as you know, I'm just an evil capitalist. You are. You really are. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's totally me. He's got a problem with the special that I'm doing tonight. I do have a problem with it because you're doing it and it cost a fortune. It did. You know, and I've seen, I've seen how much you spent on it and... Mm -hmm. And I and I would I would advise spending less. Right, and it's commercial free. It's com- yeah. So and you can so watch it on you spend my a YouTube page. I mean, just, this is the Glenn Beck economic formula. If whenever you hear him criticizing the Democrats, remember this: uh, it, it, spend a lot, don't put any commercials in it, and then give it away for free. Those right. three things, it, a little intersection there, is what this special is. So I hope you enjoy it. It's going to bankrupt us. Uh, <laughs> It's a really important no, special. Yeah. I really have a hard time charging for things because I grew up in radio. And commercials pay the low. Right. And I have a hard time. Oh, but you could have put commercials on the special. You chose not to. No, because it, it, there's too much information. It was already a two-hour special. Commercials. It would be like two hours and one minute. It's too long, no, Stu. I don't think uh, it is. All right. So anyway, you can find that special tonight uh, at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code STANDUP. And I... I highly recommend my children want to eat. I'm just saying. Uh, I highly recommend that you join us. You'll find this very well worth it. If you want to see it, you'll see everything but the last, like, uh, I don't know, 20%. That's when we go to the audience. Um, That we don't want to have on YouTube. Uh, But uh, you'll be able to see it at Blaze TV. Or if you just want to ride for free, you can do it. YouTube.com slash Glenn Beck tonight, 9 p.m. We definitely appreciate you watching it on YouTube anytime you can. Uh, Studios America as well before that on uh, tonight, which which is uh, good. Glenn will be joining me. We'll be talking about that and the, the Trump announcement a little bit. Um, but if you do use that st- uh, code stand up that Glenn mentioned, it's 30 bucks off, which is about as big uh, a discount I think they've ever given. So if you can, if you want to support the cause, want to make it uh, more likely that Glenn will be able to get away with doing one of these things again, uh, please subscribe. <laughs> they did tell me, uh, if we're going to do it this way, it won't happen again unless people subscribe. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's tonight. Here's today's podcast. This is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you have uh, joined us today. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. There's a couple of things going on today that we we want to uh, tell you about. Greg Abbott has declared an invasion at the southern border. Thank you, Greg, for actually standing up. This is the leadership from uh, Texas. I was expecting um, there's a couple of other things. We got to get into the M- uh, the NBC reporter that has been suspended that makes Absolutely no sense whatsoever, unless you're looking at a a country that no longer values the truth uh, from their reporters. This guy 
was covered with documents. He asked the question. It was a recorded piece. So it went through editors and censors and everybody else before it got on the air. Why has he been disappeared? It sends a really frightening message and makes it more and more important that we have places and outlets uh, like the Daily Wire or the Blaze. I invite you. I, I want you to get the best value for your dollar. So I want you to explore all of them. I, I think you'll come back to the Blaze and see that what we offer is uh, well worth your budget uh, and well worth uh, the gosh, what is it, like $5 a month uh, that you'd be paying, we would invite you to join us tonight. Now, this is not going to be on Blaze TV. I don't know why exactly. This won't be on Blaze TV's YouTube page. This is going to be on my YouTube page. Uh, and I think the, the speculation is, is that my page will reach more people uh, because I think they have shut down the Blaze reach uh, quite a bit uh, more than they have mine. So tonight, if you don't has a, have a subscription, the Wednesday night special is on youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. Make sure you watch it. Now, you're not going to be able to see all of it because the questions from the audience get a little um, dicey. And um, and we wanted to make sure that nothing was edited out. So Instead of running that and then risking losing our platform at uh, YouTube, we have oh, we've decided to edit that portion out and come to the Blaze and watch it on Blaze TV. Blaze TV is offering uh, a the biggest discount we have ever offered. It is so worth your time. It is BlazeTV.com/slash/Glen and uh, use the um, the promo code Stand Up. And you'll get $30 off your year's subscription. That's 30% off. Now, I played this um, a couple of days ago, but we had such huge reaction. But when you see this special tonight, this is only one of the cases that we're covering. These are all people that are under attack from the government or from the policies that we are following now. And one of the most important things is the right to your children. Well, there's a guy who has been fighting his ex-wife now over his son that she claims is a daughter. This kind of stuff is happening and can happen to you. This is one of the more egregious cases, I think. Uh, we cover it and then we have the experts talk to you about what do you do if you're in this situation? This is the story from Jeff Younger about he and his two sons. That moment the doctor places your newborn into your arms. Your entire world changes. I'll do everything in my power to keep you safe. I'll fight for you every single day. For Jeff, that moment arrived times two when his twin boys, James and Jude, were born. And from the start, Jeff loved being a dad. I was the stay-at-home parent for them. I've raised them since they were the youngest children. And uh, we were very close and had a super tight bond right up until the courts took them away from me. Everything changed when the boys were two years old. 
Jeff's then-wife began telling James that timeouts were only for little boys. And that... The monsters only eat boys. You better not be a boy. Scaring him in in these little timeouts. And when I put my foot down and stopped that, she filed for a divorce almost immediately. She's a pediatrician. And uh, using her connections with licensed care providers, she was able to get psychologists to basically force me out of my house. And that's when the situation escalated again. Jeff, who then still had 50-50 custody, took this video of James when he was only three years old. You're a boy, right? No. I'm a girl. Who told you you're a girl? Mommy. She puts dresses on you? Oh, wow. And what else does she do? She buys my headbands. Uh-huh. And she, and, <clears throat> and she gets me hair clips. Oh, hair clips? Okay. She enrolled him in school as a girl under a fake girl's name. She started to uh, claim that I couldn't cut my son's hair and that I couldn't use male pronouns. And she went to court to try to force me to use male pronouns at home to stop presenting him to the world as a boy. This evening, there's a decision to share in a volatile custody case involving a seven-year-old's gender. This case has taken on a life of its own. The central question being, should a seven-year-old live as a boy The custody battles continued, but Jeff's ex-wife used her connections with psychologists to force her hand. His 50-50 custody soon became every other weekend only. This hurt the relationship between me and my sons tremendously. And my sons were very sad about it and cried about it all the time. So James, now 10, has lived his short life in a whirlwind of confusion. So there was a time when uh, every authority figure in my son's life except me was telling him he was a girl. His teacher at school, the principal, the police officer at school, the librarian was telling him he was a girl, the lunch lady was telling him he was a girl. His uh, brother, although he didn't want to, was forced to use his girl's name. But there's one part of James's story that makes it even more tragic. And here's the important thing to know about my case. My son has never presented as a girl to me. He only presents as a girl when he's with his mother. So my approach was just very simple, to show my son how great it is to be a man. So we just did all the things that that I did as a boy. We hunted rabbits, we tracked animals, we did hikes. We didn't didn't need to worry about, we were able to tough everything out. And my, my son flourished under these conditions. On the weekends, Jeff shared with his sons his love for boxing. You know, he didn't think he could make it through those first workouts, you know, and, and he, he saw that we could tough it out together. We would get down there and do our, our one hour of floor work, working on our abs, working on our core, and we could do all that together. In a boxing gym, everybody that does the work gets respect. And they enjoyed that. They were treated like young men. Their time together shaped James immensely. Uh, became to understand themselves as in command of their world able to make changes in their world. And this eventually culminated in my son refusing to wear a dress at his mother's home because he likes being a man. He told the court-appointed counselor that he wanted to be a a boy and wanted to go to school as a boy. 
the court-ordered counselor, she said, well, this, this child is saying he wants to be a boy. That must be because the father's making him say that. And on that basis, she recommended that the court take the children away from him because my son has to be a boy. The boy's mother moved them to California, and Jeff says she's already beginning a full transformation for James. He last saw them over a year ago. But Jeff's battle is far from over. In fact, quite the opposite is true. But I assure you, I will not stop fighting for my son under any conditions. We say save James, save thousands of children so we don't forget those other children. He's fighting for more than just his son. He's fighting for James, but also for all the other kids whose parents just won't speak up. And in my daily prayers, I always remember the other children and their parents who either can't or won't fight for them. Save James. Save thousands. So tonight you will see this and you will hear from the dad who we recorded this on Saturday night with a live studio audience. And when he started to speak, he said something right off the beginning that was, I mean, powerful, really powerful. He got a standing ovation after he said this. Um, he works three jobs to be able to afford the uh, lawsuits. He is, uh, he's, it's an incredible story, an incredible story. You don't want to miss. This is just one of the four. And the uh, special tonight is called Targets of Tyranny. This is all about what do you do when the government comes for your kids or the police try to seize your property or your money or the feds show up at your door or the ATF comes and says, we just want to take a look at your guns. This is really an important special. Uh, it is commercial free and you can watch about 80% of it live on youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. Uh, the, last, uh, the last segment, you've watched about 90 minutes commercial free, and the last segment uh, is, uh, is on Blaze TV. You can watch the entire thing if you're a member, and we appreciate your support, uh, especially on something like this. And some people, I saw a couple of comments, people saying, well, this is, if this information is so important, why, why are you charging people for it? And it's, well, well, first of all, you're, you're not. But second of all, shouldn't you be? Because we spent a lot of money this on this. Stupid. Shouldn't you put it behind the, like the paywall for subscribers? I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to. Stu is the, Stu is the common sense capitalist. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that. However, the, the discussion has been over and over on these really important specials. We hope that enough people will subscribe to pay for them right? <laughs> uh, so we can continue to do them. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just I th this one has to be seen. You will think differently after this. You've you as a conservative have never been asked to think in the ways you're going to think tonight. And it is imperative that you understand you're no longer the power you that's gone you're no longer the one that can just whistle in the basement hoping hoping that there's nothing down there that is going to eat you in the constitution it's gone it's gone 
So we tried to show you what is actually happening and then give you the things that you need to do to be able to weather the storm. So, again, YouTube.com slash Glenn for free. If you'd like to help us pay for this, it is commercial free on The Blaze and on YouTube. Uh, you can uh, you can join us. Biggest discount we have ever offered now. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code STANDUP and you'll save $30 off of your one-year subscription. So you save 30%. That's BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code stand up. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Andy Biggs was uh, first elected to serve the people of Arizona's 5th district in 2016. He currently serves on the House Oversight and Reform Committee and the House Judiciary Committee, where he is the ranking member of the Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security. Uh, He also served as the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. He is current co-chair of Border Security Caucus, vice chair of the Congressional Western Caucus, and co-founder of the Bipartisan War Powers Caucus. We have a lot to talk about with Andy Biggs, who is, uh, is running for House leadership. Andy, welcome to the program. Glenn, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, is, it is great to uh, have you. Where do we even start? Um, how is, what is your path or anybody's path to the Speaker of the House when you have to get 218 votes? Well, you know, in a thin majority like we we're going to have, it may be as big as five seats, might be as few as three. Uh, it's a tough path for anybody. Uh, I think Kevin's kind of polarizing. I, I, I don't know that most of my colleagues would think that, but 36 people voted against him yesterday. Um, which means he's got a uh, a lot of meat on the bone, right? Uh, and then I'm par- I'm apparently polarizing as well. But the point was, I, I, somebody had to stand up and say, "Look, no more change the status quo." So what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of uh, internal family discussion, if I can put it that way, between now and January third. And and I suspect if it's not me and it's not Kevin you'll get a, uh, basically a, a consensus candidate that'll come out where people will say, better this guy or this lady than, than Biggs or McCarthy. So is this, how is this going to help us shape the party into a more vigorous uh, do-something party, before-something party? Well, that is my goal, and that's one of my reasons that I felt I had to stand up against Kevin because you... I think this internal discussion will help invigorate whoever's coming in to understand you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to use all the tools, all the leverage points to stop Biden and also keep the promises we made to the American people. And and so I reached out and talked to some of my more liberal uh, Republican friends, and they they want to come to the table too. And we will find things that, believe it or not, that we agree on. Believe it or not, he, virtually every member of this conference, except for some squishy middle people, not on both ends, we want a border wall. 
on both ends, we want to uh, fix Title IX so you can go after uh, uh, the men in locker room thing. And on both ends, we want to fix this place so we can at least offer an appropriations process to start bringing down spending to get our, our budget in balance. Uh, you know, you have some right in the squishy middle that just want to mm, not really do anything. And I think we're going to invigorate them that way, Glenn. Well, I will tell you, um, doing nothing was Mitch McConnell's. Well, actually, he did more than nothing. He uh, he actually um, ran campaign ads and spent money against Republicans. Um, but, uh, you know, doing nothing and we just can't be the Democrats. That that doesn't work. That doesn't work. We need a fresh vision for America. Yeah, I, I agree. And, 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 and you know, Glenn, I'm a big believer that when the other side views you as political enemies, which they do, and then we have to treat them and use the same tools they've used against us. Why in the world would Kevin back down from impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, who in my mind has committed multiple high crimes and misdemeanors and has made this country a far less safe country than it should be and is attacking our very sovereignty? And he did. He backed off of that. Well, as soon as he did that, I said, well, I've got to step in. Somebody's got to step in because we cannot go any longer down that path. And right now, Glenn, I'll tell you, I know that there's probably around 10, 15 people who've indicated they will never support Mr. McCarthy. And uh, that means that we have to find somebody else who will fight the fight. Okay, so what should the Republican agenda be in Congress? What what are some of the ideas that you and your friends are kicking around that you're like, this this is the top 10. Got to do this. Yeah, you, you, you've got to you have to fix the appropriations process to slow the inflation uh, fueling government okay. spending that we have. You hang, do on, that. Let, hang on just a sec. Let me explain that to the best of my ability. Um, we have to have a budget and then it goes to appropriations and they say you get this amount. This department gets this amount, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, with a continuing resolution, we don't get any of that. We haven't since 2008. What makes you think you can get it to appropriations to be able to start carving this money out? You just, you have to enforce it. You have to lead and say, we expect you to get this done. And there are ways to do it like you could. If you really wanted to streamline it, you would say every authorizing committee, in other words, every committee. So if you're on judiciary, you'd say you're going to have the appropriations uh, line items within a subcommittee on that committee, working with the Appropriations Committee, and you're going to get this thing done by March, March 31st. And then we go through and, and we negotiate that out. And you start working on a line-by-line line budget, a line-item budget, true line-item budget, a zero-based budget. And that's you can do that. And But as long as we, we basically uh, mess around and not do that. I think, I think Kay Granger, who is the appropriations chair, I think she's frustrated beyond belief. I think the budget committee guys are frustrated. You can get this done with great leadership. Uh, and can I you get it through the Senate? Once it gets through the Senate, uh, who knows? Because you got the Democrats going to be in control of the Senate again, and they're going to blow everything up. Uh, that's just... Right. But, well, it's important to at least try. Okay, so yeah. appropriations next. Next, border fence and border security. 
you can get all of those types of things through here. And part of it is you do it through the appropriations process, by the way. But you build a border fence. It's a standalone build. Don't don't put it in this big conglomeration of immigration crap that, that some people like this part. Some Do it straight up, transparency. So that's another aspect that we would do to change the way we operate. And we do a lot more standalone single uh, Amen. single budget bill, you know, single item bills. That's the way it if should do, be. Yeah, that's the way it should be. So everybody can see what's in there. You you do the Title IX thing. You do the, the bring back the Keystone Pipeline. You do that as leverage with with uh, a must pass bill. You do in the NDAA bill. You leverage that bill to get rid of vax mandates and bring back these men and women who we spent millions of dollars training and they're, they they love this country. They're loyal to this country. You bring them back. You can do all of that those things um, uh, with our normal process if if you've got the leadership you you streamline through your budgetary process again things like permitting exploration development extraction of american oil and gas um how about water there for the last two years there's been no hearing maybe the last four years no hearings on water which is in a west in the western united states is in a crisis level so you bring that back i mean these are things we can do um when you unite, I don't know, the Tuesday group problem solvers together with the, the Freedom Caucus, and that is what leadership would look like. So yeah. tell me yeah. at the same time, because what I if if you know, if I had a voice uh, and I was king of the Congress, I would say you pass everything as fast as you possibly can. You go in there with an agenda. You have everything all done. You work on it starting now, late at night. You introduce it. You pass it. Boom, 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 boom. Come what may. If it doesn't go past the Senate, fine. But at least we've done our job. And then investigate and and uh, finish this with Hunter Biden. Finish this with um, uh, uh, COVID we don't even know where it came from that's bullcrap yeah are we going to investigate these people i'm told we are i'm on i'm on the two committees that do the investigations we've already had we've been actually meeting for a month and a half or two talking about uh preservation letters we've sent out preservation letters we've done all the preliminary work to be ready to go uh, judiciary uh, did a, a thousand page um uh, uh, report on the politicization of the FBI and DOJ. Thank you. All, the, all of those have to be done. But, you know, if we if we think we're going to just take off between now and then, which we're going to because the because we that's the way Congress works. That's a problem. We should be doing everything I'm talking about when you're talking about now, right should, now. Right now, right now, you know. And, look, uh, I, Orson Welles is a is a hero of mine. Um, he's taught me a lot of things from his life to do and not to do. One of the best stories of Orson Welles is he had a contract with RKO, and it was this enormous contract. He was bluffing. He had no idea what movie he was going to make, um, and he goes in, and RKO has no access to him. His actors, the script, nothing. And once they've signed it, RKO wants to get onto that set and they want control of the movie, whatever movie he's making, which turns out to be Citizen Kane. Right. He knew 
that if he failed, and this is the way you should look at the American people, he knew if he ran behind schedule for one minute, RKO would come in and supervise everything. So he took his people, like right now, he took his people for a week or two weeks prior to them ever getting on the set. Cameramen, everybody, and he invited them to his house and said, let's mock film these scenes. So the first day, RKO was there and they were waiting for him to fail and get behind because he's never made a movie behind before. They had somebody standing at the door so when the bell rang at the end of the day, they could get a sheet and see how far they were. When the guy came back to um, uh, Selznick and said, and Selznick looked at him and said, you, do, am I on the set yet? Have you gotten me on the set? How far behind are they? He said, I'm sorry, sir, but he's five days ahead. <laughs> That's what you guys need to do. You need to work right now. Right now, we may not have another Christmas or Thanksgiving a couple of years from now if you guys won't work through Thanksgiving and Christmas. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Look, I, I will just tell you, I, I, there's, this is important for everybody to understand. Congress will only work for 8 to 10 months in this next year. And, 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 I, and I say that, and it's, it's one of the hugest, biggest flaws of Congress. Because you're moving into a presidential election, a presidential cycle. And the House of Representatives is on a two-year election cycle. We will, whatever we don't get done in August or September of next year, there will be hardly anything that happens the following year because oh, geez, it's a presidential you guys better. Election. I'm and telling you, Andy, this is, this is it. The yeah. American people are done with you guys. They're done with Republicans. Absolutely. Done. Yeah. Well, and, they, and they, they have every right to be. And if we don't get something meaningful done and move the ball forward, it, look, look, let's say, because we're dealing with demographic majorities in the Senate and the presidency, let's say we can't get all of our, our, our stuff done. We should at least get our bills done, not performance art. Glenn, it just cannot be right. performance. It has to be substantive. Correct. And 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 we have got to move the ball forward, or otherwise we will fail to lead, lead uh, lay down the foundation for 2024. And if we fail to lay, lay the foundation down, we'll lose 2024, which means we will lose this country irrevocably. Andy, I appreciate it. Um, God bless. I'd love to have you back on again, and I I uh, I thank you for the trouble that you are probably in with all of the you know i'm a bit i'm in a bit of a hot soup there glenn yeah and i'm glad that you are thank you so much andy for doing the hard work thank you god bless thanks glenn congressman from arizona andy biggs uh he is talking to us about the who who's going to be the next speaker of the house and hopefully it will not be kevin mccarthy and they're voting right now, I believe, maybe at 930 or 1030 uh, Eastern time. They are voting uh, for Mitch McConnell. Are they going to delay the vote or have the vote today? If they have the vote today, most likely Mitch McConnell will win. If they delay it, they'll have time to get people riled up. I hear it was quite the mess in the Senate yesterday. And Rick Scott said he was going to run. Right. Yes. I mean, he is. Yeah. He I mean, that's funny because, you know, we were talking about that, what, a few weeks ago and I hadn't heard it anywhere. Yeah. And now it looks like he's actually going to do it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
Okay, so Sam Bankman-Fried, he was the digital guru who uh, pledged to spend as much as a billion dollars in support of Democratic candidates. Now he's under a federal investigation. Oh, I bet he is. So what did he do? And uh, who are his friends? Well, Bankman Freed, SBF is what they call him. SBF, the next Warren Buffett is what they also called him, uh, donated to President Joe Biden's campaign and other democratically aligned entities in 2020, $5.7 million. $40 million is the amount he donated to political candidates and committees during the 22 election cycle. Vast majority or Democrats. $40 million. His net worth as of election day was $16,600,000,000. His estimated net worth today, zero. Now, I just want to see if you find any kind of connection here. Free Beacon did a great story on this. Um, so you have, you have SBF. Then you also have Harvey Weinstein. He donated almost $600,000 to Democratic ca- candidates and committees since 2000. He had fundraisers for Hillary, for Barack Obama, Yeah, he's now in jail and on trial for even more rapes. He'll be in jail to the day he dies. Then you have Jeffrey Epstein, who donated more than $150,000 to Democratic candidates and committees, including $10,000 contribution as recently as 2018. Hmm. Okay. So he was with liberal billionaires. He wrote checks to Ivy League universities. Bill Clinton was one of his good friends. And then he hung himself, in air quotes, in his jail cell in 2019. Okay. Then you have Ed Buck, longtime liberal activist, donated more than half a billion dollars to Democratic candidates and committee. He was sentenced in April to 30 years in prison for luring young men to his home, sexually assaulting them, and at least two cases, injecting them with a fatal dose of methamphetamine. Oh. He was described as a violent, dangerous sexual predator who exploited vulnerable victims, men who were drug dependent and often without homes, to feed an obsession that led to death and misery. That's Ed Buck. He's another one of the big... Campaign donors. Bernie Madoff. Oh, he was the best. $200,000 to the Democratic Party, including Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton. He defrauded people of $65 billion, the largest Ponzi scheme in history. He died. He had a 150-year prison sentence. He died in 2021. He went to jail in 2009. So... Sam Bankman-Fried is not the first. So what is it about these guys that attract them to the Democrats? Well, one, if you are in with the Democrats, generally speaking, you can hide out there forever. They launder your reputation. But there's something else. It's called effective altruism. 
FTX, this scandal may rip the mask off the left in something that most people don't know. What we see is apathy and lust, piles of dark money and the bizarre habits of atheist leftists. The billionaire and CEO, the so-called philanthropist, Sam Bankman-Fried, is vaguely creepy. His girlfriend is even more so. He's the perfect hero for the left. Mushy, lacking all masculinity, boring, hedonistic, and obsessed with doing good, even if it means committing crimes that result in enormous pain for many people. Now, most of us cannot imagine how people just commit evil so nonchalantly. You know, just like, yeah, whatever. Let alone with the smugness of someone who thinks they're morally superior. So it makes sense that this arrogance is based on the ideas of leftist intellectuals. A trendy movement that you probably haven't heard of. Effective altruism which claims to be a new kind of philanthropy. The World Economic Forum has used many of its ideas. What a surprise. One of the creators of effective altruism is a philosopher. His name is William McCaskill. He's friends with Sam Bankman-Fried. They've known each other uh, for at least a year. McCaskill actually worked for Sam Bankman-Fried. According to the New York Times, he was one of the five people from the charitable vehicle known as the FTX Future Fund, who jointly announced their resignation on Thursday. So what is this theory? Well, you've seen it uh, in play a lot. In uh, his book, Doing Good Better, McCaskill lists the steps to effective altruism. In a weird twist, the book mentions um, uh, a study about the crowds at Tea Party rallies and how the weather affected the crowd side. Does a larger audience make a significant political difference in the effects of the events? The study concluded, yes, each person makes a difference, which I think I agree with. But that's about as far as I'll go with this movement. Like the World Economic Forum, effective altruism is obsessed with climate change. Uh, they're obsessed with fair trade and green living, but that's not enough to stop climate change. They want us to eat less meat, thus we eat bugs. Like Klaus Schwab, McCaskill thinks that we need radical change to common sense. He believes people should earn to give, make as much money as possible, and then give it away to people who would need it. He argues that it's pointless to boycott sweatshops because, what, the workers then are going to make more money and they only end up doing worse someplace else. Instead, he says wealthy Americans should donate a chunk of their salary to people who know better and they can help the world. This is a religion of activism. Uh, McCaskill writes, advocacy also has the potentially high payoff as one could influence the behavior of many thousands of people and help influence debates around particular policies. Though this is particularly difficult to quantify, one could become an effective advocate through journalism or by pursuing an early career in academia and then moving on to become a public intellectual. We see this. That is what journalism now is. 
He co-founded the effective altruism movement with, oh, one of my favorites, Peter Singer. If you know anything about Peter Singer, you're running for the hills. Singer is a bioethicist. He's at Stanford, I think. He's known for his work in animal liberation. He sees animal farming and medical testing as a form of racism. His stance on abortion is ah, pretty much murder. He believes newborns aren't people. Newborns, not fetuses, newborns. He said that killing a newborn baby up to the age of two is never equivalent to killing a person. That is, a being who wants to go on living. Babies just don't know. So it's okay to kill babies. He advocates for most forms of euthanasia, as long as the person consents. Disability rights activists usually protest his events because he believes that uh, disability is a valid excuse for euthanasia. Oddly, oddly, a guy who is pretty much, you know, doing the same thing they did in Germany, um, he opposes the death penalty and he's an atheist. Yet he also blames God for evil. He's Jewish with three of his grandparents dying in the Holocaust, yet he's pro-Palestinian. This guy's a piece of work. It should be no surprise that Singer is an agenda contributor to the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab mentions him several times in his book, The Great Narrative. So the Great Reset is a perfect example of doing good better. Because the foundation of all these ideas is utilitarianism. Together we make one great host. One great word, at yeah. least. Uh, a philosophy that most sane people have rejected is just a thought experiment. It's a form of radicalism. It's an attempt to satisfy human needs without the obstacle of God-given rights. Think of that. That's the goal, to satisfy human needs without the obstacle of God-given rights. This is the, the, trolley, uh, the uh, trolley problem. You ever heard of the trolley problem? A uh, trolley is coming down and it approaches a fork in one direction. A single person is tied to the track. The other direction, a dozen people are tied to the track. You have to choose which direction to turn the train. And in utilitarianism, you sacrifice the single person. Right. Okay. And when I say sacrifice, I mean sacrifice, murder, stealing, assault, violence of any kind can be justified by utilitarian uh, uh, utilitarianism as long as its outcome is mostly favorable, mostly peaceful. Utilitarianism is a secular alternative to Christianity, and it goes hand in hand with hedonism. What did I just say about Sam? He was a hedonist. It's pragmatic instead of moral. Its focus is collectivism and the greatest happiness principle, the greatest happiness for the largest number of people. It considers happiness and pain, more happiness, less pain. Its rule is by elites who know better than you do. Uh, and you're just really incompetent. You're sheep. You can see this leftist idea of equity, of outcome, affirmative action, inclusion at all costs, even exclusion. 
You can see what is happening. It is this poison. It is the gospel of a world turned upside down and inside out. It is a ministry of pudgy billionaires devoted to annihilation. That's what was truly behind FTX. I mean, it's a pretty negative take on effective altruism. And I I would agree (laughs) that there are problems with it Mm -hmm. uh, and not a lot. Not everything is to like. A lot of the people who practice it are nuts. And that's part of the problem. But like, you know, some of the points you you mentioned, he one of the philosophies is instead of dedicating your life to, you know, um, uh, I don't know, a uh, charity, some charity, Mm -hmm. you Use capitalism and you earn money that and then you choose right. who to give it to. That's and, absolutely and I that's think, what I do. Right. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I so I I don't think it's uh, like I think the way that the left uses effective altruism is is bad in most cases. And a lot of it's because, well, first of all, Sam Bankman Fried was just seemingly fraud, you know, defrauding people to yes. get this money to give away. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's obviously a problem. Mm, Peter Singer is P- also. Peter Singer is a massive problem. Klaus Schwab and the yeah. World Economic Forum. But again, like, you know, <laughs> using capitalism to do good is something that you have been doing for long before right. they called it the, effective altruism. The difference is that that is not effective altruism. That's part of it. That's part of it. Um this is the ends justify the means. It can be. You, and that's, yes. that's, I think, the problem with, with some people who practice it. Uh, but I mean, part but of it, it is explains also like, why It explains why they don't really have a problem with him in the Democratic Party. They didn't have a problem. They knew about Harvey Weinstein. They knew. Mm-hmm. They knew. Um, it, it wasn't hard to... Ends justify the means. Yeah. Ends justify the means. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. be in bed with anyone as long as they are furthering your goals. There is a utilitarian bent that is sometimes disturbing, but we also could use, at times, more utilitarianism when you're talking about taking your money and giving it to things that not just feel good or give you the warmest feeling inside, but to, that, that actually do the most good. I mean, you, there's a version of this where you can... And I, and I, I, I think you largely agree with with a good version of this, because I've seen you in action. You give away mm-hmm. a lot of your money to causes that you believe in, and you don't do it just based on like, okay, here's a splashy thing. Let's get a bunch of famous people together. You're you're doing it in a way that you hope does the most possible good with those resources. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's uh, an admirable thing to do with your with your charitable dollars. I think it kind of goes back to that old, uh, you know, that old uh, conversation about you passed a homeless person in the streets who's drinking alcohol and 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 begging you for money. Do you give the money to them or do you give the money to the homeless shelter where they should be going? There is arguments on both sides, and I've you know we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. At some point, if you feel led to do it, to give it to directly to that person, that maybe that is the right thing to do. Right. But also, if no one, if everyone gives it to the homeless people on the on the street drinking alcohol, and none to the homeless shelter, the problem never gets solved. And I don't know that the problem ever gets solved with homeless shelters either. That's a whole other story. But the point is, you know, doing being responsible with your money when you give it away to charity is really important. Looking at how those the charities spend their money really important um you know so i think there is a a level there of trying to do the most good with your resources that is i think a a positive aspect of effective altruism that is is embedded in there and i think an increased focus on that by people would probably be positive that being said eating bugs is not what i'm talking about yeah i know (laughs) and and the the problem here is too is if you are 
if you are um, in effective altruism uh, the way he saw it, yeah. you create things to make money to pull off and, quote, do good. Right. And that's so when terrible. it starts to go awry, you'll cut corners any way you have to. Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. I think, do what you love. Money is a side benefit. Okay. It's a side product. And you get that money. Great. Then take that and invest in things. But do first what you love. And what and and what you are uh, doing to make money, not tying it directly to the charity that has to come after or you lose sight. Na, 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 na.